This is True Bloods, the number one Sydney Swans fan podcast. And today on the show, we'll be discussing the Swannies' mighty win over North Melbourne last week, the upcoming clash with the Bulldogs tonight, as well as everything else Sydney Swans. My name's Tommy Flanagan, and I'm joined today, as always, by Madison Clark and Dave Baxter. Fellas, what a show our young group put on for us fans on the weekend. The signs are good for the Swannies. Jeez, it's, it's good to be back, Flanners, even uh, Albert, by, via Zoom, um, which I'm sure a, a lot of us corporate types have been uh, getting fairly au okay fait with. Um, but, geez, how good were the Swannies on the weekend? Could, couldn't have asked for a better performance against the informal North Melbourne. So, very exciting uh, times at the moment. Absolutely, boys. It just, uh, you know, stamps the authority that... The Swannies Young Brigade is up there with the best in the competition. We, we seem to come to the party a, a lot more often than some other young sides. Um, and I think it's, as we've been probably saying for 12 months now, it's, you know, it, it's looking promising. It's just hopefully um, we can start to string together these wins. And even in these tough times of, um, you know, we're playing in these uh, days with the whole COVID situation. Um, I think it's just, yeah, the, the Swannies Young Brigade is coming to the party, boys. I'll tell you who hasn't come to the party. That's that's Fox Footy. They haven't, haven't given us any coverage this week after a magnificent win, but I guess we shouldn't expect anything. Do they ever, Flanners? Fair dinkum. I mean, are you, are you surprised by this? There were two things, boys, with that. The, you know, Fox Footy put out this power rankings thing, right? Like of a Monday, every Monday. Played North Melbourne. They lost to us. Went up a position. We beat them, sitting in 12, stay in 12. Like, oh, it just does not make any sense whatsoever. And beating a team um, who obviously be in huge form, like North knocking off GWS the week before, just that there's no um, time given to us, you know, no air time, but nothing's changed, boys. Dable, Dable, this is, this is why we're here. This is why we're doing this, because there's absolutely no airtime given to us. So we've just got to keep playing good footy and, uh, and hopefully, eventually, they'll recognise that we exist in the competition. Now, to the game that we saw on the weekend, and I was listening pre-match to Triple M's uh, pre-game um, preview of our clash against North Melbourne, and there was barely a minute spoken about the Swans. It was all about how well North Melbourne were going and, and uh, how they're up and about, and they're, they're a well-polished, good, honest side, and they're, they're going to be hard to beat for any side on, under the, uh, the roof at, at uh, Marvel at any point this year. But uh, as you touched on, our young brigade uh, really showed up uh, to, uh, at the ground on uh, Saturday, and, and also some of our uh, up-and-coming young midfielders, Ollie Florent in particular, uh, is turning into a, into a quality young player. And, and the, the guys who always stand up for us, Josh Kennedy, Jake Lloyd, Luke Parker, uh, Dane Rampey, they've had fantastic starts to the season. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And I also wanted to touch on George Hewitt uh, because he held uh, Higgins to a miserly 12 disposals, I believe, which is a phenomenal effort. And we, we know that of George, that he's capable of doing that to, to the sort of pure runners um, and, and disposal getters of the game. And it was just great to see him because he obviously wasn't in the side with the, the birth of his child. Um, in the first couple of first couple of games, but back in and immediately impactful. Uh, Jordan Dawson with a nice long goal. He, he, he was pretty handy. James Rowbottom with five clearances for the day. He, he looks to be taking another step this year, which is uh, really exciting. Tom Papley, um, Harry Cunningham, I thought was was pretty solid as well. Really like the game of Hayden McLean, the big fella, uh, showing a bit of a presence there in the forward half, hitting the scoreboard, taking a couple of contested marks. Uh, giving off a couple of goal assists, just a just a good solid presence to have in that forward half. And how's the haircut on it? one. Absolutely, Mads. Yeah, good mop going there. Um, look, it, it's it's interesting to see um, players like Robbie Fox coming back in. He's sort of you know that twenty third, twenty fourth man. He sort of comes in and out of the side when we're needed, and we've definitely gone a lot taller then. And it's interesting to see this week that Nate Smith is back in as well. Um, and I don't think any of those tall players are out. So we are going to be playing a lot taller in the upcoming week, which is going to be, uh, you know, it's a lot different playing two Ruckman, Sinkers and Naismith. And surely, Tommy, surely Sinkers is going to full forward. That's, That's the game plan. Well, McLean was very impressive, I thought, in the forward half last week. So they may um, try him on his own down there again and use Naismith, Naismith and Sinclair as rotating in, in the hole down back. Uh, they, they could use that um, as an option as well, um, with McLean being impressive in the forward half. But I would like to see Cal um, in, in the forward line, at least at stages, on the weekend against the Bulldogs and try and stretch their, their undersized defence. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, Flanners, and I'm sure you will. Um, McLean is, is a forward by trade, is he not? Yes, but can pinch hit in the ruck as well. But I, I yeah, I, of course. I don't know if he's had. I don't know if he's had much experience down back. Yeah, you yeah. may even saw mate sort of play that centre half forward role, and then you know the the ruckman rests um, forward at full forward. That's what you'd think would happen, but. You never know. Horse always seems to surprise us with these things. The things that make sense don't necessarily happen with uh, the Swans coaching staff, but um, hopefully it pays some dividends. One name I do want to bring up, boys, and I think he is the most dangerous small forward in the competition, <laughs> is Tom Papley. And he is so, so important to our side, boys. He's carrying a lot more load without Buddy there. He's all the energy... He's, you know, he's hitting the scoreboard. He's doing everything down there, boys. And I think it's, it's really important to bring up because we need to keep Tom Papley. And that just with what went down last year with the trade and not getting to Carlton, it's going to be interesting to see come season's end um, if we can hold on to Paps. Well, Dable, I, I'll second that because I wanted to bring him up today as well. Um, there was an article today, I forget where it was, but it, the question was, is Tom Papley more important than Lance Franklin to the Swans? And I would say absolutely, at present time, he absolutely is. And there's, you've seen this happen with trades that have not come to fruition and players drop their head and uh, just don't give as much as they otherwise could. And he 
from the outset, he, he looks happy and he looks willing to give his, his 110% every, every week. So we, we need to throw everything at him, the kitchen sink, everything to keep him because he, he's too important, he's too young, he's got too much upside to, to let him go. Through your question, boys, uh, who's the last player to score five goals in a game for Victoria? Well, that'd be Paps. Tom Papley. So you want to hold on to those sort of guys? Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, look, what do you think is is worth on the open market? Like, his, his value is only increasing. He's played that big game for the big V. He's kicked five on the big stage and then he's the best small forward in the competition at the moment. Um, you know, that that's a... For mine, boys, is it's it's a six to seven hundred thousand dollar player. Well, James, the thing about it is, he can run through the midfield as well, and you don't get that with with the dangerous small forwards. Like you don't see you don't see Charlie Cameron running through the midfield, but perhaps perhaps does. So he's dynamic, and that that just adds so much more to the the dollar figure. If he if he's our leading goal scorer this year, which probably very short odds to be our our highest goal scorer. That's just going to add so much to to the uh, to the price on the open market. So I don't. We've just got to keep him, boys. Yeah. Well, the good thing is he is under contract. He did trigger that clause for like two or three more years, and I think it was twenty twenty three off the top of my head that he's actually contracted to. So till I should say. Um, so it'd be interesting, but yeah, it's the better he plays, that the more you sort of worry about it, I guess. Got to get his missus a job in Sydney. Oh, That's what we've got to uh, do. I think she's a nurse, so we might have to... She is a nurse. <laughs> you would know, David. <laughs> uh, prior, prior to the North Melbourne game last week, fellas, we, we took on Essendon. It was a spirited effort. We couldn't get over the line there. A six-point loss in the end to the Bombers there. Darcy Parrish uh, put on a nice show in the last quarter and, and showed that he's becoming a pretty solid player for the Bombers. But, um, the yeah, it was. A, I, thought, I thought the... Uh, there was, a, there was a slight lack of composure there from some of our skilled ball users in the last quarter. And that was really the only thing that cost us an opportunity to win. I thought we were the better side for the best part of three quarters, but unfortunately couldn't execute going forward in the last quarter when we had some opportunities. But otherwise, that could have been four points. And it's the frustrating thing for me about that game. And I had a few red wines on a, on a Sunday afternoon, Debel. As you do. Like to do. As you do. Bloody earth. Um, so I was getting quite boisterous, but I, I thought that the distinct difference between our performance, um, and obviously, I mean, it was essentially like playing round one again, right? Um, but what we were in a scenario where we just weren't lowering our eyes. When you don't have um, tall forward options, you need to lower your eyes and hit targets. And I think, you know, two simple things, letting them get out to a lead like that and then just bombing it into Heaney with three people on him. It's just never going to win you a football game. And that's what we, you know, started to change when we played North Melbourne. You lower your eyes, you hit targets, you win football games. You don't need tall forwards to, to kick a winning score. And I think we've proved that. 100%. Look, Richmond's shown that in the past, you know, two of the last three years. Obviously, last year they had Tom Lynch, but that 2017 flag, they had the one key forward, 
um, and and the smaller players took a lot of the load. And there's a massive difference, as you say, Mads, the the way we played um, against North. We, we were just slicing up and dicing up through the middle of the ground and the run and carry was good. And, you know, we're getting it into our good ball users like Dawson. Um, you know, he had 20-odd posies and, you know... That, that and he was like, average against Essendon. He was very quiet, mate, very quiet. But, um, yeah, it was good to see that they sort of addressed, you know, some key issues out of that Essendon game. And this is the thing. We play a side like Essendon. We, there are so many issues, and you can see how we've lost, and we lose by a goal. It, for me, that's a really good sign from a young side, you know, up and coming through the ranks that, you know, we're not doing a lot of things right, and we're only losing, you know, by a single goal. Well, I mean, that was the whole thing about last year, right? We, if, you know, three or four games, we, we lost like seven games under a goal. If three or four things go differently, we're in the finals. Yeah. So we're, we're really not that far off. One of the things I really liked in the North Melbourne game, and I've been liking this year as well, is in the absence of, of Buddy and Reed, I think we've become less predictable going forward as well. Uh, with a guy like McLean there, you, he's not as big a name as a, as a Franklin or Reed, so maybe you don't tend to, to to bomb it on his head as much as you would for for, for Reed or Franklin, and then you get involved the, the likes of Heaney and Papley and Haywood, and 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 you know, the long kicking of Jordan Dawson gets involved from beyond fifty, and then Nick Blakey can can be a bit of a wild card in the forward half, and Louis Taylor's uh, been able to pop up with a bit of zip and aggression. Um, it's been a very exciting forward half package that we've been able to put together in the opening rounds. He only had five disposals, Taylor, but I've really liked him in, in each of the games. I thought he's been really serviceable, just for that forward pressure as well. He's a smart player, Mads. He gets in the right positions, and when he gets it, he's dangerous with it. So it's one of those plays, you know, he, you know, you'll probably want him, you know, 10, 12 disposals and, you know, the, the Cyril Rioli type impact, um, you know, not a lot of touches for a, a lot of output. Um, but yeah, it's a, all, all sort of questionable of the sort of Lewis Taylor getting in with having a player like Papley and already in our side, but seems to be coming well, um, together well, the, the Ford setup. There's no doubt about that. But you, you say there, fun is about, um, you know, we look unpredictable going forward, which is a great thing. And there, this brings up the discussion of when Buddy does come back. He's obviously, he's running sort of five, six kilos lighter. There's only one thing stopping him, but get him up the ground. He's one of the best field kicks in the game, you know. You see, say with a, a Taylor Walker type thing over in Adelaide, like doing nothing up forward, but the two thing, the one thing that those two have in common is they are fantastic field kicks. Like Franklin and Taylor Walker are sensational field kicks. And I think that's where like Franklin could just like bring another dynamic to the Swans is getting up onto a wing and running around free. Um, but the thing is the body, the soft tissue injuries, like you, you, your engine's got to be able to go. We'll say, I mean, just look at Matthew Richardson, right? Yeah. That probably probably breathed two two more years into his career. Yeah. And he and he and he almost won a bloody brown line, right? 100%. So hundred percent. A bit I just hope Buddy can get back and, you know, put three or four good games, um, 
you know, on the park and then get up the ground because that field kick and delivery inside 50, it, it's sensational. Until he does get back out on the park, we've got a lot of uh, the young brigade and that unpredictability to enjoy, especially this week against the Bulldogs. Uh, it's tonight. It's going to be a massive game at the SCG. And um, boys, what, what, do we, what do we think about this one? They, they looked good last week against the GWS Giants. They were the Giants targeted uh, Bontempelli, and the Bulldogs targeted the ball and got their mojo back. Wasn't that a joke? There's nothing worse than seeing a team rock up like GWS. Oh, we're going after Buddy Bontempelli, split Buddy Nick Haynes' larynx or whatever it was. And, you know, he goes in and does the toss. Like, please, you lost it there at the first bounce with the mind games. But the dogs were, were bloody tough on the ball, that's for sure. And it was the likes of sort of, you know, Libba back in the middle. Um, his hardness, you can never underestimate that. Um, Jackson McRae, you know, he's taking a lot of um, a lot of the pressure with Lockie Hunter out of the side at the moment. Um, and yeah, it's it's the usual suspects: your your Joe Hannisons and your Bontempellis. Um, you know, they're they're relatively young um, up forward, so you know, hopefully the boys up back can get it done there. And then, like most games, the games are won in the middle, boys. And you know, with uh, JPK playing his 250th uh, game. I'm sure he'll be uh, leading by example as always, fellas. Geez, Debo, I, I don't often disagree with you, but I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you there. I thought the the Nick Haynes thing. See, it's all it's all about the result, right? Hmm. Nick Haynes goes in for the toss. If you if you firstly they they lost the fight, which you don't do, and then they lost the game. So it, it looks garbage. I thought it was good. I, I like the mind games. Really, really like them. I like keeping, keeping those things in the back of your head. Um, but you have to execute. And they didn't execute. And it says so much about this season because you would think on paper that GWS would... I mean, obviously, they were missing, what, Taranto. Did they miss Kelly, Kelly? Josh yeah, Kelly, Kelly Toby, Toby Green. Big name. Pretty significant Big. outs, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But, but, yeah, no, I, I, I kind of liked the, uh, the mind games there. I really th- thought it was quite, quite different in an otherwise usually quite uniform um, situation. But, uh, but look, they're, they're an underrated side, Bulldogs. I think people thought they would come out this year probably a lot better than they were. But the unpredictability of, of what's going on, I think, is wreaking havoc with, with a lot of teams. But as Dave said... Um, it'll be one, one in the midfield. And I think our midfield is just starting to to find its legs. Um, and hopefully JJ has a shocker because I can't stand JJ. A couple of big outs for the Bulldogs. Josh Dunkley, Lin Jong and Matt Suckling all going out of the side. Lewis Butler, Pat Lipinski and Riley West all come in for the game tonight. So Dunkley, Jong and Suckling, they're all solid senior players for, for the Dogs to lose. And, and for us, uh, O'Reardon omitted, Sam Gray omitted and Tom McCartan injured. We saw he got concussed, unfortunately, again in the game against North Melbourne last week. But it was good to see him up singing the song at the end. Uh, but unfortunately, won't be able to uh, take the field tonight against the Bulldogs. Coming in for those guys, Ben Ronk gets back into the team. Remember what he did against the Hawks at the MCG couple of years ago. That was very exciting. Hopefully he can bring that sort of form to the SCG tonight. Justin McInerney gets back in. Thought he was probably stiff to be dropped after the Essendon game. Thought he uh, performed all right. Uh, and Sam Naismith, great to have him back in. He was just about best on ground in round one against Adelaide. So good ins for us. 
Yeah, definitely flatters. Um, yeah, look, obviously, as we touched on at the start, we're going to be, um, you know, going in with a bit of a, a different setup, playing a lot taller, um, bit of experience out of the side for the Bulldogs, and hopefully that um, plays into our hands. And yeah, you're definitely right with saying our, our midfield is sort of starting to find that continuity. Mm. You know, Ofo's been fantastic. He'd be up there in our best and fairest at the moment. There's no doubt about that. And then, and then, you know, with JP, K and Parker in there as well, I think I thought Parker's game on the game was uh, on the weekend was excellent as well. Um, just his marking ability really sets him apart from, you know, those in and under hard ball midfielders. And I, he can never be underestimated how important he is to our side. Um, and, yeah, I, I just think on paper we, we, we look very... A very good matchup for the dogs. Um, I just hope, hoping it really flows forward with having that big marking target, um, and we're still lowering the eyes as we'd like to see, Mads. Well, that's it. That's JPK's two fiftieth, boys. Like, if there's ever a man who's, who's given you know, their heart and soul to the football club, let's let's get up. I mean, how good would that be? What would we be? We'd be three and one. In the middle of a pandemic, a team that was, you know, touted to finish bottom four. Only we could do it, boys. Blood's culture. Fair income. Stuff the Bulldogs. What a segue, segue, Mads, into the social question of the week, which is, we posed that on the the socials yesterday, and it was, what is your all-time favourite JPK moment, Josh P. Kennedy moment? Since he came to the Swans, he's been an absolute champion of the club, played in the 2012 Premiership was best on ground in the 2016 Grand Final and should have been awarded the uh, 2016 Northwest Medal in many Swan supporters' opinions. And he's just been a legend of the club since he's come across. And, and uh, there's been plenty of feedback from the uh, True Bloods faithful on this question. Comments and likes um, and support for JPK ahead of his 250th. I'll start us off then, Mads. I've got Go one. Um, Big fan of the show. We're happy to have him back. Top fan on the page, Dale Ashby. Um, his favourite moment would be high-fiving the great man after the 2012 Grand Final in his lap of honour. Um, least favourite would be the dead set robbery of his deserved 2016 Norm Smith medal um, when he had 34 and kicked three. Not, o- not the only robbery that day, boys. Would tend to agree. Would tend to agree. Um, Another another very, very uh, solid contributor of the show, Matt Jones, says every damn thing he's done in red and white. Now, that, that's a big call, but I, I, I certainly wouldn't dispute it. Um, in recent years, you could argue that the proper Bloods culture hasn't been what it was in the 2005 and 2012 Premiership sides. But that same sentiment cannot be said of JPK. He embodies that gritty, never say die bloods mentality, and he never gives less than everything. Never gives less than everything out there. Well done on the two fiftieth legend, and I think that's. Um, I don't know. I think I think we've seen um, a, a lot of the culture in between sort of two thousand twelve and now. But uh, he's absolutely correct in saying that JPK has just taken you know things that brett kirk and jude bolton have created and, and just run on with it i think that's uh that's very apt actually yeah i love that love that one from matt jones i like this one from rum sock sains it's a quote from bruce McAvaney. 
It's a good man to have it now, you'd reckon. It's Kennedy. 2012 <laughs> <in> the final. <laughs> 100%. Great moment. Now, boys, you know I'm one for my stats. I enjoy my stats. And I was, you know, having a flick through the old socials the other day and someone posted this in the Swans group. And I think it just shows how good a player and probably the most underrated player in the competition Josh Kennedy is and has been over the past, you know, 10, 12 years, whatever he has been in the competition. So stick with me while I read through these. Of our current list, so the Sydney Swans list, first for stoppages, this is in since he's been at the club. First for stoppages, first for clearances, second for pressure acts, second for contested possessions, second in defensive half uh, at pressure acts, and second in ground ball gets. And this is where it sort of he comes into his own and shows how good a player he is being. Of all current players playing, he's the second in clearances. He averages 6.6 per game over his career. The second in the competition for ground ball gets 10.6 a game. Second in stoppage clearances, 4.2 a game. Third in contested possessions per game, 14.7. And also third in centre clearances, two and a half a game. Um, and, you know, over the past 10 years, uh, he's averaged 26.3 disposals a game. And that's the 10th highest um, of all AFL players um, over the last 10 years. So just shows he's been absolutely dominant um, for a long time. And if he did play for a Melbourne club, he would be hailed as a A-plus superstar of the competition, which um, we obviously see through our eyes, but I don't think it's recognised um, in the competition. Oh, he definitely is an A-plus superstar. The competition has been for the best part of a decade and is a future Sydney Swans Hall of Famer and should be a future AFL Hall of Famer. He's been incredible in his 236 appearances in the red and white. Um, three-time Best and Ferris winner, three-time All-Australian, captain of the club. Um, only Gary Ablett's amassed more contested possessions in his career. Um, he's just a legend of the Sydney Swans and a legend of the game and he should be a first ballot Hall of Famer Well I saw an interview with Horse today um, because they were doing a few, doing the media on his 250th and he, and he, he said he's, he's going to go down as one of the greats of the Swans and, and he should go down as, as one of the greats ever because when you're looking at stats like that how can you really dispute it like that, that is that is unbelievable. And you look at the work that he does in finals. That's when he really gets going, and, and that's when it really counts, you know. And and he, I don't think I've ever seen him be under A grade in a finals game. He's he or he's always phenomenal, and, and that's and that's when you know that a player is the real deal when they can just under immense pressure perform and execute time and time again. He's an absolute jet, boys. Congratulations to JPK in his 250th. And that's our social question segment. After this short break, we'll be back with Who Wears Who Wears and our tip for the Swannies and the Bulldogs coming up tonight at the SCG. You're listening to True Bloods. You're listening to True Bloods, the number one independent Sydney Swans band podcast.
Hello, True Bloods fans. Welcome back to the program. Now it's time for everyone's favourite segment. It's time for Who Wears Who Wears. And it's a little game that we like to play where I say a player's uh, number and the boys have to guess first uh, what the name of that player is. And uh, we do a who's, Who Wears Who Wears, which is a current player. And then we do a Who Wears Who Wore, which is a, a past player. And uh, boys, you ready? You got your fingers on your buzzer? Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, fighters. You've been, you've been, a, you've been a while. <laughs> just tell us how you came up with the game, please, fighters. Oh, I was just having a few beers, and you know, I'd just say that in the backyard of, with your mates, in the backyard yeah, with the boys, and I'd just say, "Oh, yeah. mate, who wears who wears X, Y, Z?" And then they'd say, "What, whatever his name is." Fighters, <laughs> it is such a good game when you're just out the back. On a Sunday, Arvo, having a few beers with the boys. Yeah, you just got to have a couple of beers with the boys and play a little bit of who wears, who wears, who wears, who wore. <laughs> who wore, who wore. <laughs> we came up with a bit of a song when you were away as well, Funners, but that's all right, mate. Um, I'm ready, Mads. Are you ready? I'm, I'm ready. Have you even listened to an episode since you've been away, Flanners, or do, have you just I, tuned I, out? I'm, I've tuned into snippets. I have, I have, I've looked at snippets, but uh, no, full You're episodes, no. Full episodes, no. Um, uh, okay, so who wears, who wears number seven for the Swannies? Is that wrong? No. No, he's number four. No, no, he's 25, wrong. Oh. <laughs> um, number seven is that Harry Cunningham? Correct, ding! Yeah. <laughs> that is a good get. But Dads can tie it up with the who wears who wore, who wears who wore. Number seven for the Swannies. Rowan Wharf. Um, jeez, number seven. It's, uh, Dunkley didn't wear seven, did he? No, six, six, six. Oh, I'm in the vicinity. It's from that, he's from that era. He's from that era. It wasn't Craig O'Brien again, was it? No, it wasn't Craig O'Brien, also from the similar era. This player played from 1994 to 2003. Wore the number seven for the whole duration of his career. He's now a radio broadcaster. Yeah. Um, Commentates Swans games occasionally. And was a solid defender defender in his time at the Swannies, his 10-year career at the Swannies. No, I'm absolutely not. Wait, hold, hold on. What, what channel does he commentate on or what radio station? Uh, the last time I heard him, he was on Triple M Sydney. Oh, gee whiz. Gee whiz. Um, I'm nowhere, Deagle. No, nah, I'm nowhere either. Number seven. Um, got any other clues that aren't going to give it away, Funners? Uh, his initials are BS. Brad Seymour? Brad Seymour is correct. Two oh, points. Oh, bang. Deeble. Deeble. Game over. Who Please wears, who wears, who wears, who wears. Get my bloody broom out, Mad, so I'll get it out and just sweep you away. <laughs> nice. Brad Seymour, <laughs> nice. Yeah, 133, nice. Games, 133 games, 12 goals, 
uh, five Brownlow votes in a 10-year career in the back pocket for the mighty Swannies, Brad Seymour. Always did his job. Yeah. Um, okay, and just before we finish up tonight, let's, let's get a tip on that crunch game tonight between the Sydney Swans and the Western Bulldogs, the, uh, the mighty Swannies in uh, Josh Kennedy's 250th game. are going to want to get a win for the great man. Luke Parker in fantastic form in the last couple of weeks. Callum Sinclair's been up and about. Naismith comes back into the side. Jake Lloyd and Dane Rampey are playing pretty well. Uh, we're coming up against the Dogs, who are a star-studded uh, midfield, led by Bontempelli, who's back in some good form. Jack McRae's uh, a ball magnet, and he'll be one that we'll have to uh, look at throughout the evening. Aaron Norton's been pretty handy up the front for them. Josh Bruce, who's crossed over from St Kilda, a pretty handy player. So who do we reckon are the key matchups uh, to, in tonight's game? And uh, what's a tip and margin for both of you? Yeah, look, I'd, I'd like to see um, Ramps, Rampy, Dane Rampy, the great Dane, uh, get a bit more of the pill this week. He is elite by foot, that lethal left foot, and he can pull off that kick where we mentioned multiple times last year, that kick into the middle that just opens up the game um, just with that penetrating left foot. Um, I, I think he only had it eight times on the weekend. Um, so I'd like to see him be used uh, a bit more offensively. Um, but on the, on the other side of that, Dawson is playing a lot more back as well, the off sort of half back. So that, that yeah. could be a reason for Dane not getting so much of the ball and just sort of concentrating on that one-on-one. But um, I'd like to see Ram, Rams used in a more offensive role as, as you know, the number one full back. Um, but that just shows what a player he can be. So that's who I'll be watching with a close eye for mine, boys. That's, uh, that's not a bad analysis, Devil. I like it. I agree with it. I think for mine. For yours, Matt. I think the key, and we mentioned it before, is the unpredictability of us going forward without the likes of the Budwar um, up there. And I think if, now, if Horse does what we want him to, because Hayden McLean's still in, right? And he, I, I thought he showed some really good signs. He, he was really good with his hands. He can take a mark, right? Get the Dukes out, if you will. I think it would arguably make us even more unpredictable because it's like, okay, Buddy's not there. They've got a short forward line. So, that you know, they're going to find Paps. They're going to find Heaney. Now we're in a situation where we actually have marking targets if, if we're having sort of sinkers and, and McLean sort of around there. I think it'll make us even more unpredictable. And if we can just get off to a start where we're just hitting targets lace out in the forward line, we'll, we'll be very, very hard to defend. Really hard to defend if you've got people like Louis Taylor, Papley, Heaney, even at the fall of the ball around McLean and Sinkers. I think that could make our forward line really, really dangerous and unpredictable. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> well, well said, Mads. Yeah, in, in my mind, I think I think it's going to be really important to block the run to the ball for Bontepelli and McRae. Um, Liberatore is going to get in there, you know, one way or another. He's that type of player. Uh, but if we can block the run of... Um, I think our, our, our mid... Sorry, our midfield matches, matches theirs, I, I feel. Every day of the week. Yeah, but there's still roles to be played. I mean, within, within yeah. there's a battle within, battle within a battle. And I think negating McRae and Bontepelli um, is critical to winning that battle. You know, Hewitt will probably go to McRae, I would think. 
Uh, maybe go Dawson head-to-head on Bontepelli or something like that. Or maybe it is just a Kennedy head-to-head on Bontepelli. <clears throat> if you really want to take Daw- if you really want to take Bontepelli out of the game, maybe you, you throw Dawson in a defensive role there and maybe he can sneak forward and, and kick a couple of goals on him going the other way. He's a, he's a good like-for-like in size there. So maybe if you want... Um, if you don't want to sacrifice much of uh, Josh Kennedy during his 250th and allow him to sort of roam and, and run at the ball, maybe you play Dawson in that defensive role in Bontepelli. I think Hewitt to lock for, for McRae, has to go to McRae. Um, but as yeah. I said, Lib is one of those guys who's going to get a bit of ball just by the way he goes about it anyway. So I don't, I don't know if we'll play a, a direct negating role on him. Someone will just go head to head with him, maybe Parker. Um, I think but, Parker yeah, will I mean, just go yeah, head to head. I think Libba normally goes to Parker anyway. So, yeah, that, yeah that'll, that'll definitely be interesting. But I, I can't see Dawson being used in that role because they're just they're trying to use him off half back, trying to use his, his shoe um, off half back. Um, but yeah, look, at, who knows? It could just be, you know, one on one big boys in the middle. Well, well, as we talked about rest, resting uh, Naismith or Sinclair down back, maybe that frees up a Robbie Fox to play that sort of role if you feel like. Um, you're really giving someone a challenge. You put Robbie Fox on Bontempelli for for a quarter and see how that goes. Uh, but I think we've got where well, we've got a, a clear sort of advantage uh, on the park is is in our ruck division. If if Naismith's 100, percent we've got Sinclair out there. We've really got an opportunity to to dominate uh, Tim English um, and, and give first use to the likes of Kennedy and and Parker and Florent and and uh, Hewitt and these types in the middle of the ground. Uh, I think that is something we've really got to focus on. Knock, knock around English in that first half, really get into him physically. And um, I think that'll go a long way to tipping the midfield battle in our favour. 100%, Tommy. And I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because uh, I think it was pre-game to the Bulldogs against the GWS Giants um, when they were showing how Grundy tore up Tim English the week before, or maybe it might have been round one. It just it shows you if you just get a bit of body on that smaller frame, it's it's very hard to compete with the strong-bodied Ruckman, which both Naismith and Sinkers are. So you bang on there. If, if those two can get on top in the ruck and, you know, take Timmy English to the cleaners, that can um, definitely play a role with us getting on on top in the midfield. And, and, and I really like the idea of, of from Horse of playing two rucks for this particular game just just for Tim English because he is a he's a great uh, endurance runner for a ruckman. He can run out of game pretty well and 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 Sinkers and, and Naismith are older ruckmen. So um, letting them share the workload both physically and, and endurance wise I reckon is a really good move for this game. Yeah perfect Flatters. Perfect. Do you, do you remember when um back in sort of the mid-2000s when we had Darren Jolly and, and even Jason Ball as well, but Barry Hall would do the ruck work in the forward line as well, yep. give them a bit of a chop out. I can see that happening a little bit with, with sinkers and McLean. Um, playing yep. up forward. He can sort of give keep Naismith on the ground, but give him a bit of a chop out. That's That'll run English ragged. If, yeah. if that's the situation. And, and, so and, it's interesting. And as, as mentioned, if we're fe- feeling like we need a, a tall going back, Naismith and Sinclair, one of those two can drop back and McLean can do the rucky in the forward half. Yeah, it's huge. A lot of options. Oh, well, I can't sure. wait, boys. It's, it, it's on tonight. It's on tonight. Big game. Mighty Swannings. Make sure you tune in on Fox Sports and Channel 7. This has been True Blood's number one Sydney Swans fan podcast. And... Uh, make sure you check us out on all the social channels, iTunes, Wooshka, Facebook, Instagram. Thanks to Madison Clark and Dave Baxter, as always. Cheers, Flanners. 
Tip Good to have you back, Flanners. What, what, what's the margin before we go? Well, I, I think the Swannies get it done by five goals, Flan. Five goals like that, Mads? Two goals. Two It'll goals. be close. I'll jump in the middle of those two and say 20-point win to the Swannies. All right. My name's Tommy Flanagan. It's been a pleasure. We'll see you soon on True Bloods, True Bloods Faithful. It's good to be back. Speaking words of wisdom. Up, up the, the Swannies! swannies. <laughs>